in relation to like what I'm doing and what I've done with my Instagram, where a whole bunch of my Instagram, the reason my Instagram blew up was due to me kind of focusing on these kind of like taboo stories that involved consciousness that involved aliens mm -hmm. and like the mind and stuff I found very fascinating. What happened recently is that I've not had the same energy to produce those same videos. Mm -hmm. Instead, I want to focus more on kind of getting that audience to the podcast because I feel like there are such deeper and more meaningful conversations that are occurring in this podcast space than those conversations around, okay, whether or not this ball is from Mars or if this guy actually teleported to a different dimension. And I find it fascinating because to wrap this back, is like the videos that I'm putting out now in relation to the podcast aren't getting as many views. And I can tell that my follower number is even dropping a little bit because of it. So there's a trap in there, which is staying that same person you were because the social landscape has been pushing you that direction. Oh, cool. I'm going to get the validation mm -hmm. of these videos. I'm going to get validated on creating these mm -hmm. weird things. I'm not going to get validated if I create something that's more true to who I am. And I think that has been a very powerful shift I've been looking at recently. It's like, fuck it. Wow. Fuck it. These yeah. people don't want to follow it because this is the true core essence of reality as I see it or information that will truly take their life to the next level. Then do I really want them to be a follower? Do I really want this friend in my friend group if they're not going to be open-minded to these new ideas that I'm coming across? Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a tough thing to sit with. Yeah, very much so. Especially as it starts to get into like, financial means too you know you start sacrificing like your your sources of income you know you start sacrificing your validation of yourself like oh i thought myself this this person who had so many followers or this person who was able to get all this interest and now i'm changing and people are not vibing with it in the same way and yet i bet and tell me if i'm wrong there's been some also some surplus there's been some people now coming and resonating with things that weren't before. And maybe you don't know that yet, um, but that will surely happen. I've seen a mixture of comments in regards to, yeah, there's still followers. And I've seen mm. a mixture of comments in regards to, oh, this is really wise. And then the other ones, which is like, you know, don't interpret the Jesus mm. and da, 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 da. And I'm fucking mad. And I think that that's probably just How a, dare you have a perspective. On yeah. something. <laughs> You don't get to think about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he is perfect. You are not. <laughs> Damn you to hell. Yeah, but it's um I don't think I've fully seen it yet. But I do but I don't think it matters. I, I think the stronger position to look at it is do I feel fulfilled in creating the mm -hmm. content? Is this content that I want to be out there? And even more so, is it aligned with my mission? Mm -hmm. My mission is to have a really big podcast. My mission is to have more people listening to the podcast than anything else. I would trade every follower I have on every platform for that to be just the downloads I get on the podcast because these conversations and I'm getting better. I'm by no means perfect when mm -hmm. it comes to this podcast, but I do know that there's, um, but these conversations in my opinion are the most important thing for people to have, or like the information to digest or ideas to explore at the very least. And so if I'm not putting out content that's directing people to this podcast, then I'm failing my biggest mission. So my option is, is to keep putting out content that's going to bump my Instagram followers up. Or I could step aside, put that ego away, put away that materialistic identity that I have with the followers and say, fuck it. I might lose. What if I lose 100,000? Fine. I'll have 20,000 left that are actually here for the resonant message that i'm trying to get out there with the podcast yeah this was a great doorway to get people in the door but you know if if it's not for them then okay maybe they'll come back later that's so powerful um what was there any catalyst that like you're aware of that created that change within you when you started to feel that intuitive sense of speaking about things that aligned to your values and aligned to like that feeling of fulfillment within you? I, I guess it's, it's interesting because I was very happy and I, and I enjoyed making the videos that I was making in regards to like these off the wall stories. I enjoyed doing it when I was doing it. 
I think something that kind of started getting into me was the community that it was creating was a little bit more divisive. It was a little bit more uh, argumentative people who are a little bit more lost in the world, which is okay. I mean, I'm happy for them to come in, but I think that there was just an element that I realized it wasn't serving the biggest, the bigger mission. You know, it was serving a smaller mission of growing the Instagram account, but it wasn't serving that bigger mission of growing the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I realized like, why aren't, I have 120,000 followers. Why are my downloads not that high? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of a disjointed mm -hmm. nature between the podcast and the Instagram. It's like, oh, so maybe I should alter that a little bit. And then you post that one video and it only gets a couple thousand views. And you're like, fuck, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not getting validated from this. Mm -hmm. why, why would I do it if I'm not getting validated? And then that's whenever it comes to that introspection of, oh, are you really just doing this for validation? Mm -hmm. So f that feeling of like uh, the resistance, like, oh, shoot, should I go back to what I was doing? Recognizing that before it took the wheel mm. and you, you changed essentially back uh, to receive that validation. There was a moment of introspection that you became aware of. Yeah, it's asking yourself, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this thing? Yeah, realizing that it's what is it in me that wants this to be done? Like, why am I taking this action? Another example of this, I talked about this. Did I talk about my last podcast? No, I talked about it in Odyssey number 84 with Caroline Gutierrez, where I was telling her about me doing this introspective work in regards to the podcast. And I listened back to one of my podcasts and I'm sitting there listening to myself and I'm thinking, dude, Clayton, shut up. Like you're thinking, just shut up. Mm. Just, you asked the question, all of this, this next 30 seconds of rambling, stop. And I sat there for so long. I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I just rambling on? And what I came to realize, there's a physical and a metaphysical answer to this. What I was doing was not thinking that I was being heard. I didn't think what I was saying was being heard. And an element of this is the fact that I didn't have myself in my ear like I do now. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't hear myself. And another element I think was just like not being seen or thinking that I wasn't able to provide value or I wasn't valuable. Mm -hmm. So I was going on these like rambling monologues. I'd be like, you know, here's an example. I'd be like, Tyler, how'd you, um, you know, get to this place? Uh, like what's your, here's a good example of like what, we were talking about earlier is like, Oh, what's the difference between consciousness and awareness? Cause like awareness is really weird because it's like kind of like this ability to like look at things, but then consciousness is kind of like, you know, our, our ability to connect to it. And then, you know, kind of, there's like, so I'd go and just start answering the question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you're sitting there like, um, okay. Yeah. You answered the question. <laughs> yeah. So there is no space for you to talk. And I realized that that whole conundrum was linked to wanting to be heard. It's like, dude, you had a mic in front of your face. They're going to hear you. Yeah. So now you feel like you are heard and you're able to create space. Yeah, I did some meditation around it. I, you know, kind of hyped myself up a little bit. Like, yeah. I am valuable. There's value yeah. I have to give. Ain't fucking men. Yeah. And so then it just, it snowballed into me realizing, like, going back to the bigger mission. This is actually a good parallel. I didn't realize this. Of why am I doing this? Why do I have Tyler being sitting right in front of me talking to him? It's to understand his perspective of reality. It's to learn from him. It's to challenge ideas that I feel like I already know the answer to. So if I'm asking a question and then answering it, I've just set you up with everything that I believe. So why would you even attempt to deviate? Cause I'm a, I'm hosting a podcast. You don't want to, you know, ruffle feathers and make, you know, a mess, but why not just actually sit here, ask you a question and hear what your thoughts are? Because mm -hmm. then I get to update my perspective on the entire thing. Like mm -hmm. I just did. If I would have given you the entire answer, I don't think I would have heard you talking about, you know, your consciousness dips into awareness and brings it out. Like that's a gold nugget right there that I would have not only robbed myself of, but also robbed the audience as well. Yeah. And that's, that's not an original like thought, by the way. I don't even know if I have any original thoughts, uh. but uh, that comes from, uh, <laughs> it's all good. Pen say it again, pun. Patanjali. Patanjali. That oh, comes okay. from Patanjali. Yeah. And then of course, like 
it, it marinates inside of you. And then how I express it is different than Patanjali expressed it in his book um, and likely significantly different than he expressed it in his life. Uh, but that's how it's resonated for me. You know, that's how it's, it's felt when I've gone as deep as possible um, in meditation. Well, it's good you do that too, because I mean, you're a Westerner trying to articulate an mm -hmm. Eastern idea from thousands of years ago. Yeah. Shit changes. Absolutely. And it's going to hit people different than if they would have went and read Patanjali. If they want to go know more, you know, it's good to know that that exists, but mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. That is wonderful introspection though, that, that you have like gained on yourself. That has been, uh, so important in my life you know and i always say like within the last couple of years but it's probably been happening for quite a long time of just like trying to recognize when i need to shut the fuck up <laughs> like when i'm just like talking out of my ass um and when i'm saying something or asking something that actually aligns to something within me that i care about um and i've gotten pretty good at just shutting up and embracing silence and so like often in day to day I'm I'm pretty quiet because I just like to listen um, and I'll insert myself if I f feel like I want to but oftentimes I'll just listen and you know let a conversation ride until someone asks me something or until I feel like I actually have something to say so that I'm not just saying words to be a part of it or to like so that I don't feel like I'm missing out and you know again everything's so fucking nuanced you don't I don't want to be silent for safety you know i'm not trying to not be heard i am both the program and the programmer and so there's a big part of it that i have to put myself out there to create the world that i want to live in but creating that world i want to live in involves not speaking out of my ass and not saying things that i don't think are true or making sure i'm not saying things that make me feel weak that's a big one too not feeling weak mm -hmm. not doing things that make and, you feel weak and that's where the introspection comes in because sometimes you'll just do it and then you realize you f you feel weak from something that you've done or something that you've said and okay well it's already out there you know there might not be takesy backsies maybe you can apologize <laughs> or something like or at least apologize to yourself and forgive yourself and that's where it really matters you know someone else might not need to forgive you or might not accept uh an apology but you can certainly forgive yourself and then become someone different you know five minutes from now <laughs> and you know if you've determined that you've said something or done something taken some action that makes you feel lesser that makes you feel weaker that makes you feel smaller you know all of these words trying to arrive at some feeling within you um that you need to have the introspection that you need to have the awareness to recognize within you. Um, and when you feel that, then you can learn from it. You know, it's a signal and you can choose different next time. A big phrase that's getting, that's coming to mind right now, because I've been noticing this so much recently in my life is when people say sorry, but they didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. They did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm nothing wrong or on purpose right like i'm sorry is like i did something and it actively hurt you or like impeded you or something but like if you're trying to move by somebody it's like excuse me you know it's not i'm sorry it's almost like this i'm sorry for existing type mm -hmm. thing and i've noticed this a lot recently just so much and i don't i don't know where it's coming from i don't know why but and maybe it's something i'm saying right now so that people can actively pay attention to when they're actually saying sorry in life mm -hmm. It's a, it's a weird thing to get away from. It is. And especially like if you're, I've even noticed like reaching out to people or I don't know, like, sorry to bug you. Yeah. Or if something messed up, if I made a mistake, it's like, you know, there, there's times to apologize and actually say sorry, mm -hmm. but there's also times to thank the other person for awareness into your life. Oh, mm -hmm. thanks for helping me out. Not like sorry to be a nuisance. It's mm -hmm. like, thanks for helping me. And even just that mental shift, talking about perspectives. Yeah, because it, it, you said it so well. Sorry for existing. Ugh. Ugh. Do as I say, not as I do. Are we that generation? Or are we doing and working on ourselves just as much 
as we work on the technology that we crave, artificial intelligence, and the concerns, I would say, were pretty valid. But the interesting thing about that is, is it valid because that's how we see ourselves? Are we are we looking at them, but then really seeing us? what it is sometimes I feel it in myself I see it in others I it makes you cringe you know this like oh sorry sorry oh sorry that's it right oh sorry there. for sorry you know I I uh like playfully but kind of cuttingly sometimes be like well straight up tell people because I'm still working on it myself very much you know don't say sorry unless you've done something wrong you know and right away people will say oh sorry <laughs> and yeah. then you get a laugh at them you're like ah, I, hey you kind of did it on the way here. You kind of did it whenever you texted me. You were like, oh, it be about 20 minutes uh-huh. late. I mm-hmm. was getting my daughter ice cream. Oh, that was my wife. That was your wife. Oh. Yeah. But she's pregnant, so she deserves ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> she's wonderful. Yeah. But see, like, you were like, okay, sorry, my wife wanted ice cream. I was like, don't apologize for being, like, a good mm-hmm. husband. Thank you for that. Um, I, I do still stand by that apology because I, I don't like to be uh, late. And I, I still ended up being here pretty much on time, but I was hoping to come in here a little bit earlier and settle in with you and such. It's all worked out just fine. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. I stand by that apology because I try to be on time okay. as best as possible. I guess. And that gets in that nuance that we're talking about here, right? It's yeah. like, where's the nuance of like an emergency actually did pop up and I need to apologize versus like, yeah, it's almost like I made a choice that m- I knew would make me not uh, as, as present at the time that I wanted to be present. Um, and so I could either do that. that down? I, I made a choice that basically made me late for the time that I wanted to be here. I knowingly made a choice. Um, and I have a little bit of, uh, I and I don't want to do that from a place of like confidence. Like this is just who I am. I'm just going to like, do this and so i just felt compelled to like let you know that that's not how i want to conduct myself and so i apologize for conducting myself like that right now and that's not how i would want to conduct myself as i go forward um i guess i'm trying to look at it though in terms of like the bigger picture like i get what you're saying at like that mm-hmm. level of you know i don't want to be late but in that moment there was either something that occurred, something happened off text mm. where it became a higher priority for you to treat your wife to ice cream versus being, let's say on time. Mm. Right. So how do, how do you feel like that, that like how is it a hierarchical thing? Like what, like how do you see that it's worth or empowering even that I take care of, that I treat my wife to ice cream and be a little bit late and apologize for being late versus, I guess, saying no to your wife. Like, I have a commitment at this time. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I actually really appreciate, like, the pushback on it because it's not a perfect answer. And it's very possible that I, I might feel differently about it, like, a few days from now after if I even like care to let myself really think about it. Cause it's an interesting like little microcosm of life to like analyze, if you will. Um, That's what I'm all about though. Yeah, like for sure. It, it's beautiful things. to like dive into little, you know, uh, micro glimpses of life because often they contain, you know, what's happening at a greater level. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> I, just playing situations as they are trying to be as present as possible. And so here I am after like take going out uh, for a little breakfast slash brunch and kind of looking at the time and being like, well, we could hustle to the car right now. Or she said she wanted to go get ice cream. We could walk down the block slowly because she's very large right now and beautiful and amazing. Um, And we could get ice ice cream. And uh, yeah, I'm just like, I'm in that presence and that's how, I want to be. And so, uh, that's what I chose to do. Yeah. Well, then I'll accept your apology. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. If anyone that knows me too, uh, will know that I'm not a very good texter 
and I I have since for the most part stopped apologizing for that but a big part of that is like and I have a great friend who's helped me figure out how to put messages back on unread and that's a game changer uh but often it's because when I'm with someone uh which is a lot uh I, I end up being around people quite a lot I'm trying to make myself be as present as possible with that person because that's how I want to conduct myself and so if I get a text message maybe it distracts me for a moment and I look at it which is a poor habit that I'm trying to break it'd be better if I just didn't look at it at all but I'll look at it and then immediately put it down and not even get to think about it but now it's been read or you know read digitally like it's been opened uh maybe you I, need uh maybe you need to put the reader seats back on mm-hmm. so that's what I've started doing oh, okay and it's very recent by the way this is like this week uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah shout out Eric <laughs> that's too funny shout out Eric at Topa Club <laughs> uh yeah, so dude, you're yeah, your wife's almost pregnant again. Yeah, yeah no, she's not almost pregnant. Again. No, no, she's yeah. almost due. Any day yeah. now. Yeah, a little boy will be here. Nice, um, dude. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's uh, <sighs> it's Dad a lot. Part two, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of nervousness. Um, mostly well, excitement. This is interesting. I don't have kids, and mm-hmm. I'm interested from this viewpoint, right? Like, you're a rather conscious, aware individual. Do you ever take a step back and look at maybe parallels between like the way you were brought up and the way you're raising your kids now as to how to increase their levels of awareness and consciousness? Mm-hmm. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like, I try not to overanalyze my parents um, because analysis typically isn't, you, you typically aren't analyzing something and being like, man, that was so great. Um, and my parents were great. Uh, my parents are great. I had a wonderful childhood. Um, but there are definitely elements within my life and within my upbringing that I want to make sure that I am more cautious of with my children in the sense of like just having some harder conversations with them, uh, having just a much more open dialogue, a much more trusting uh, communication, um, you know, f- everything from like, just making sure that they know always that they can tell me anything and that even if, you know, it'll be iterative, even if I have not the reaction they're hoping for right away, that I'll be able to come back to them and just be open to listen to them and to offer the best advice that I can possibly muster from my own experience, which might not be perfect, but, you know, can at least help them navigate uh, a rather insane world. Um, I hope to instill some things that my parents really did really well giving me such a a love and appreciation for the beauty of nature um and spending time outside and being a physical being and really caring about physical freedom and my ability to move and like move well and feel good uh, and navigate pain well however at the same time i don't want to immediately like give them pain medication you know my parents didn't know they don't know you know they we're all living in a toxic soup uh and oftentimes we're not aware of the ingredients in that soup you know because we're just in it uh and so like seeking pain medication as soon as something is off isn't the right move in my opinion i think that's the right opinion uh whereas that's what you know they did for me and thank god for pain medication at the same time (laughs) excuse me podcast wouldn't be complete Um, without a cough so thank you for breaking that for sure (laughs) um yeah you know and i hope to be able to help them manage pain and manage uh you know even mental anguish uh without immediately looking for uh medication without looking for uh quote like daddy government pharma big medicine uh, to come and rescue them so that they can start to learn uh, the power within themselves. Um, that's going to be uncomfortable because, you know, seeing your kiddo sick sucks. It's like the worst feeling. You know, it's the most beautiful thing when they are like thriving and, you know, when Sophia is bubbly and she's like, you know, trotting through the living room with a big smile on her face. And then it's just like the worst feeling in the world when she is not feeling well or you know because you don't know the extent of it you know there's always just this background fear of like what if they die 
you know, and it's my fault or not even that matters if it's your fault, but like just what if this immense love is taken from me? And you got to be careful not to dive too far into that because it'll make you go crazy. Um, you know, but yeah, I, mean, I think a lot about what my parents like did or didn't do and try to rectify that or try to just choose the optimal path. And I, I know that, that I'm going to fuck up. I'm for sure going to fuck them up. Like I'm a weird person. They're going to be fucked up as a result of that. And some of the things that I say, and they're going to say some crazy shit, I'm sure, to their classmates. <laughs> That's going to get them in trouble, too. Um, you know, but whatever. Well, because what you're describing there, it sounds like a the if we're going back to mythology and mm. mythos or ethos would be of that over, like the, what is it, the over-nurturing mother? The, um, oh, yeah, the edible mother. Edible mother, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like you're you're trying to navigate that balance of how much nurturing and comfort versus like oh this is the real world you got to go figure it out Mm. how do you actively view that balance or do you kind of just more naturally just go with whatever feels right um i guess it's a little bit of both i definitely feel it you know I'm, i'm definitely aware of times where i'm like no like you need to be safe right now uh and i catch myself maybe being a little too cautious. It's kind of easy at times because my wife and my mother-in-law are very cautious. You know, it'll be like 65 degrees out and they're like putting a big coat on Sophia. And I'm like, all right, no. Like, (laughs) I'm going to take that off as soon as I get outside with her. Um, You know, we're like making her wear shoes, uh, you know, to be in the grass. And as soon as we get outside, I just take her shoes and socks off uh, so she can walk around and like be grounded to the earth and like feel the feels. Uh, things like that or like pushing her when we're at gymnastics or pushing her when we're in a playground for her to like kind of fuck up like fall even a little bit and figure things out or like really have to strain to like get up on something instead of just picking her up and putting her on it um so I, i'm definitely very cautious about it i call myself the anti-aircraft parent the anti-aircraft uh, yeah to to get rid of the helicopter parent uh, that is nearby the ones that's always circling <laughs> yeah because it, it, there's an interesting parallel in there with you were because you were talking about how whenever you would see them doing something dangerous and it would get you to like kind of that fight or flight mode mm-hmm. you tense up a little bit and i see the parallel there when we were talking about like the ice baths and doing mm-hmm. stuff that are difficult and and facing these challenges so is there that element then of like you kind of just got to let them fuck up you gotta let them scratch scratch mm-hmm. themselves in order for them to figure it out mm-hmm. and you know i don't want her to fall and get hurt and scratch herself but yeah you know i have to also let that happen um you know and it's you play each situation as best you can while you're in it you know if she's walking on a wall and it's like a foot off the ground maybe i let her go and i don't hold her hand and i'm like you got this you know and i tell her you can do this on your own um and at some point, that's going to uh, be a mistake. You know, she's going to fall. And I'm going to be like, oh, no, why wasn't I there? And then it's another when she's on like a six-foot wall. Okay, then maybe I'm a lot closer. Because while I want her to challenge herself and to feel these feels of like fear, especially if she loses her balance a little bit, I don't want her to fall and get catastrophically hurt, obviously. Um, so, yeah, just always like playing that situation as best you can, trusting your intuition as best you can, you know. Um, uh, just to give a funny example, like when I was a little bit younger before I had kids, I saw, I was in Glacier National Park and we were going up uh, a road called to get to Logan Pass. It's like at the top of the mountain. And everyone had to pull over for some reason. There was like a blockage in the road. And so we all pulled over a huge line of cars and this mountain goat, this beautiful white mountain goat, and, you know, like six inch horns uh, comes walking up. And it was pretty chill. It came really close to us. And uh, this woman comes running over with this little boy and uh, puts that little boy right <laughs> in front of the goat oh, no. to, like, take a picture. And I'm I'm right there, you know. And I'm like, I don't know what to do in this situation because this woman is a fucking idiot. Like, and I ended up not doing anything and it ended up, like, being totally fine. But it's just like, man, there was no forethought there. Like, 
it would take nothing for that goat to just be like, why is this thing in my space? And to give just like a quick hit that could have changed that child's life. Um, this is why Darwin was wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, you think about, I don't know, just that example just came up. Cause I think about like, well, yeah, well, I like to, like, I want to take cool pictures of Sophia. I want her to get exposed to things, you know, even to other beings, other creatures, but you also need to be cautious, you know, because you don't know what something else's intention is. You don't know what something else, how something else might react. Not yeah. sure what that level of danger is perceived mm-hmm. threat. She mm-hmm. doesn't know. It's just a challenging, like, landscape of living. Yeah. You going to get her to top club anytime soon? Oh, God, someday, yeah. I think the boy much sooner, uh, yeah. even though he'll be much younger. Uh, I think Olea, my wife, will be uh, a lot more accepting of me, like, pushing the boy into more dangerous things quicker um you know but are you assuming his gender already oh very much so yeah <laughs> i'm very much assuming his gender he is a little boy he's got a little penis it's gonna be an uncircumcised or just a normal penis how do you um, how do you arrive at that conclusion dude i've done no research into <clears throat> circumcision whatsoever how did you come to that conclusion or like what you just kind of take a step back um it's so nice to be able to take a step back. Like now that I've been able to regulate my nervous system better, it's easier to take a metaphorical step back in life and just look at something from outside of myself. And like, I don't know, there just some seems like not a great idea to cut off a part of the human body. Um, that doesn't seem like a good move. I think we probably come equipped correct. For the most part, I'm sure there's abnormalities, right? But uh, for the most part, we come equipped correctly and just like doing a little bit of research beyond the typical like bullshit that comes up on the first three pages of Google. Uh, you come to discover that that's like the most sensitive part of a penis. And like, man, what could my, the quality, how, how much better could the quality of my life be if I still had the most sensitive parts of my penis? <laughs> You know, like how much better would sex be? Uh, how much better would like my life just have been? Uh, Do you think, what is it that makes you think that it would have increased your quality of life? I think sex would have been better. You think sex would have been better? Would be better, yeah. Would be better, more intense. Yeah, just feel better. Um, yeah, and and there are things that I have no idea. You know, probably like deep level trauma if you will at like some cellular level from having something removed or you know losing that sensitivity who knows how that impacts like the flow of energy and blood you know down through there i wonder if they've done any um, studies yeah i don't know i'm gonna um, do a quick google search but it just seems and i'm sure people can make convincing arguments towards the other direction uh you know the often like cited one is like well there's a risk of an infection if you don't get it like it's harder to clean or something it's like is that just because people thought it was weird to like touch a penis and clean it because that seems pretty normal you know you you touch a butthole and clean it you touch everything and clean it it's a baby you know and then you teach them as they get older um which is a pretty normal thing right yeah this is like a little bit of un- a little bit of effort that needs to get put on. What to know about circumcised and uncircumcised penis? Circumcision is a surgical procedure that removes the foreskin of the penis. Differences between you want to know something kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about how bad our sexual education is in this cl- in this world, in this country. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know what circumcision was until I was a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. I had no idea if I was circumcised or not, mm-hmm. and. I am, and I always thought that circumcision was like kind of shaving the tip of the head off. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that there was like foreskin. Mm-hmm. So when they said foreskin, I was thinking like the tip of the head. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy fuck, did that happen to me? Like, I have no idea. And then I figured out in college, and I was like, all right, that's a little bit better. <laughs> I mm-hmm. was like, okay, at least I didn't get that crazy. But, you know, to your point, I was like, oh, shit, that's bad. Yeah. That's rough. Pro- probably similar, by the way. I don't. Like, I didn't come equipped at a young age knowing these things. I don't remember when I learned, like, about that. I, I know I didn't know what even, like, a, a normal penis is supposed to look like for a long time. What is a uh, normal penis? A, a penis that still has foreskin. 
Oh, okay. Unlike a circumcised penis. I got you. You know, we say this word uncircumcised as if, like, there's circumcised and there's uncircumcised, but it's like, no, there's circumcised and then there's how it comes from nature. God ready. (laughs) You know? It's It's not uncircumcised. That's that's language corrupting your perspective. Hmm. It's just a a normal dick. Uh, The ready-made package. Yeah, it's the ready-made package. Let's see here. Yeah, people have um, people may have a circumcision for many different reasons, including religious reasons. Uh, people who follow. I want my son's dick to look like my dick. Can't <laughs> be different. The Jewish or Muslim face, cultural reasons, a family history of circumcision. Yeah, right there. You just said it. So a person may decide to continue the tradition, <laughs> personal preference, traditions, for health reasons. It says uh, this is medical news today. So I don't know if they're bought or paid for or anything. One 2016 study estimated that 37 to 39% of males across the world have a circumcision. The researchers estimated that 71.2% of males in the United States have circumcision. That's a high percentage. So it's well above average in the entire world. The areas of the world, according to American Urological Association, with the highest rates of circumcision are the Middle East, South Korea, and the United States. The lowest race are in Europe, Latin America, and most of Asia. According to the Center's Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, I'm not even going to read it because I think their trust level has dropped to an all-time low. Um, Appearance, yeah, we just went on that. Effects on sex. Scientific studies have produced conflicting reports on the effect of circumcision on sex. That's interesting. For example, one 2013 study looked at the sexual sensations of 1,059 uncircumcised normal normal males <laughs> and 310 circumcised males. That seems weird that that would have such a different... That's not... Uh, uh. Yeah, science is hard. Yeah. Can't we get... If there's more circumcised than normal... Wouldn't they be able to find a thousand? Why wouldn't you have a similar circumcised against uncircumcised groups? Maybe the data didn't give them what they wanted. I don't know. Um, I don't know who funded the study or what it was about. You never know. There's there's good science out there, by the way. Um, I'm pretty critical right now. I'm super skeptical of most things. But there there really is good science out there. I've worked uh, with some good scientists, at least I think so, um, through my grad school. I think these people were very diligent um, and were really trying to arrive at objective truth through like measurement and data collection i think it just gets convoluted and fucking bonkers once funding yeah once you start arriving at like the funding or who's like if it gets published you know or what part of it gets published Um, what does the title say of mm -hmm. the article versus what the study actually said Mm -hmm. are you interpreting the results correctly Mm -hmm. are they incorrect yeah, there's a lot of call. It. So, what did you know? Because this was something that came up the other day at Tough Club. Is that who introduced you? Eric, I think, did, and he was saying something about how you have a graduate degree. I was like, he has a graduate degree. I was like, where'd that come from? Yeah, and I, you know, it's just a, a master's of science. I don't know. School has come relatively easy, so maybe I don't give myself enough credit sometimes. But uh, after I changed career path, um, I knew that I I really wanted to go back and study something. Wait, what um, were you before this? Well, originally, uh, I went to school to be a mechanical engineer, and I graduated in 2012, and I worked for a big consulting company um, in the energy space for about nine years. Um, and it just was, like, crushing my soul. It was, like, stealing my soul from me slowly, and I saw what it would take to progress in this organization. It would be to sacrifice more and more of my soul, um, both to connect with people that... I didn't want to connect with and to learn things that I didn't want to learn and probably eventually to make, you know, if you really get to the higher ends of it, to make moral decisions that wouldn't be in line with, you know, what my innermost being values. Uh, And, you know, the company does really great things through the world and also really terrible things through the world. I'm very critical of them um, for some of the modeling that they do, long-term modeling like related to the climate, for example, this essentially shows like, no, we need to sacrifice millions of poor people so that we can save the planet. Like, all right. Ooh. Okay. That sounds like a really Ooh. like just thing. Yeah. That's really uh diversity, equity, and inclusive of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
let's let's let the poor people die as we raise energy costs as we move towards greening our energy you know and it's like you just learn more and more as you go but uh anyways that's a big aside we could get into if you wanted to um ultimately left that career path and uh took some time um thank god for my my amazing wife giving me that opportunity you know and it was a long time coming it was a conversation we had even when we first got together but like it was a lot different when it actually happened you know the hardship of like having then a single income um, and her kind of carrying me for a little while uh a little longer than a little while you know she really was amazing in that way and i got to go back to school uh and study health and uh it was right as fucking covid started great mm. uh so it was a subpar education in my opinion but i uh, made myself read a lot extracurricular i made myself study a lot and then ended up getting into like the autonomic nervous system and understanding the dysregulation that you see across society people unable to manage their stress the like mental health crisis that we're currently facing that is largely tied into the physical health crisis that we're currently facing. Um, and so, yeah, I got a master's of science in health education. And a part of that was writing a thesis, a very long paper and running a legit, uh, like IRB approved, uh, study investigating a hummed exhale and specifically actually not just the hummed exhale but comparing a hummed exhale to what we know to be a powerful modality which is just slower breathing what is a hummed exhale a hummed exhale yeah. so just simply like a breathe in mm. and so you can create a hum you can create a vibration inside of your body mm -hmm. which is very similar to maybe a yogic but my purpose for investigating the hum rather than a yogic om was to make was to see if something could be maybe more practical you know something that could be uh useful uh for just any person to better manage their lives and now i'm pretty much convinced that it is and i use it quite a lot for myself and i encourage a lot of other people to use it whether they be sitting in my ice water or whether they be just going about their daily life you know pretty much anytime i'm about to get up and speak in front of people I'll put on a class presentation go to an interview um, come and be on a podcast get in the ice water i'm centering myself uh, with some hums and they vary from very like low and quiet if i'm really nervous or if i don't want to like raise attention to me to if i'm in my car um you know come kind of loud uh and yeah it seems i mean there seems to be a lot of uh good data you know i did a whole literature review on it um and what it seems to show is that it improves a metric known as heart rate variability and that's also what i found in my own study um heart rate variability is essentially a measure of your heart's ability to respond to stress optimally you know so if if a stimulus occurs is your heart optimally responding or is it like all out of whack can you relax once relaxation is possible can you rev yourself up when revving yourself up is necessary and is that process smooth and healthy or is it dysregulated um and then a, a few other things. It, I, I measured anxiety. I actually measured perceived anxiety with just like a fairly easy scale, and it seemed to reduce anxiety as well. Wow. Um, and this is all just from humming? Do you do it mm -hmm. through – you do it – it sounds like you only do it before certain events, or do you actually do it throughout your day? Um, I do it throughout my day if I think about it. But, yeah, oftentimes I think about it when you're feeling that, like, anticipation or a little bit of – uh, anxiousness or a little bit of like whatever if you just want to center yourself um what are the biomechanical i don't even know that's the right word but like the uh <laughs> actions that are occurring that are making this increase your heart rate variability and other things in your body yeah um i i don't know it perfectly so there's probably much more to be said but what it seems to be doing is stimulating your vagus nerve so you have a series of nerves through your body. Your vagus nerve is one of them, and it's highly related to your relaxation response. So when your vagus nerve is activated, you are becoming more relaxed. Your heart rate is 
slowing down, your breath is typically slowing down, and you're entering a, a more calm and centered state where you're able to connect both with yourself and with others. And so when you're like in that fight or flight reaction, everything sort of shuts down inside of you because it's a survival response. You're, you're on edge. You're really aware. You're kind of hyper aware. Um, it's very difficult to connect with another person. It's very difficult to connect with your own intuition when you're in that uh, aroused or stressed or you know, fight or flight feeling. And there's levels to this. You know, there's like a full-fledged, like there's a fucking tiger running at you or like just sitting in traffic and, you know, not feeling good because you're on your way to work or, you know, someone just cut you off or like you read something online that you disagreed with, you know. And like in our modern society, we have so much stimulus you know, we're living in this hyper-novel world. So many things were being, are being consumed and taken in. And a lot of them are stress-inducing. Um, if you're not careful, uh, you will interpret them as stressful. And you see someone disagree with you online or a perspective you don't like. And, like, you might interpret that as, like, a threat to your existence at some level. And so if you're not careful, you're kind of living in this low-level uh, fight-or-flight response throughout your day and not really relaxing in the way that you should be able to relax, which is when you relax, you're conserving energy. That energy can then be used for many other processes throughout your body or just energy to have in your day-to-day -day life, you know, to go get like a good workout in or to feel good or to be like awake and aware for your family or yourself. Um, and so the more often that you can bring yourself into that relaxed state, that natural resting state, uh, the better, basically. And then you have that reserve of energy uh, for when you actually need it. It's reminding me it's it's reminding me of what we were talking about earlier in regards to people being able to live longer. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you're definitely cutting your lifespan short by living in a chronically stressed state. Oh, significantly short. I mean, your all-cause mortality is way up. Yeah. That's Sorry, crazy. I cut you no, off. No, 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 you're good. I keep going if you got more to say. On no, that. no, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just that was exactly, yeah, the parallel that I was seeing there, which is crazy. And so it sounds like you're saying that one of these ways to to activate this is so funny mm -hmm. saying to like activate calmness or mm -hmm. yeah, your calm induced. You know, it makes it it's like an active calming. It is. Yeah. So is this like this is? Are there? I mean, I'm sure there's other ways, but this is a very powerful way to. Mm -hmm activate calmness mm -hmm. just that's right there there are many ways it's it, it is an active process to uh become relaxed you know like it's always so funny when people are like just relax like oh yeah sure let me just relax <laughs> you ever tried to relax yeah like, have you ever told your girl or your your partner to relax has it worked <laughs> calm down i'm helping <laughs> you're freaking out right now relax <laughs> like, go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah like no it's it's an active thing um so you can activate a part of yourself uh to help you relax i actually like came to this in a weird way where uh through my life i i dealt with a lot of social anxiety um and I actually didn't realize how much I craved socialization. I'm, uh, I kind of skirt the line between introvert and extrovert, but I end up getting a lot from putting myself out there and connecting with people. But through my life, it was so weird because I would like be around friends and, you know, people I'd known for a while, and especially like if it was a group of them, and I would just feel so good and like I'd be funny and like just easily like letting conversation flow and things would all be good. And then there'd be like one-on-ones sometimes, even with like a good friend. And I'd feel this like inner, like, I don't know what to say, freezing up feeling. Um, and I didn't have words for that at the time. I didn't know what the difference was. And especially it became apparent like, you know, as you're coming up and you're like trying to talk to women or you're going out to bars and you're trying to talk to people, which is like fuck bars, by the way, uh, just as a quick aside, fuck <laughs> bars, um, fuck being in a place that's super loud that you can't talk to people when you're trying to make connections in the world. Stop doing that to yourself. Go find something you're interested in. 
do that thing, get good at it, you'll meet people. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We could dive on that for a while. <laughs> so uh, it would just be so weird because it'd be like, wow, I feel like two different people. You know, this one person who's in- unable to articulate himself uh, and connect with others and then a totally different person who like just feels really good to be. And that's why I started learning about like the autonomic nervous system because that's ultimately what it was. It was like I am more in a fight or flight, you know, it's more of a stressed out sympathetic state. Uh, and when you're like that, you're just like you're on guard. You know, you're, you're overthinking the next words coming out of your mouth. You're, you're too hypervigilant. You know, you're looking for any perceived threat or any like element of discomfort and you're just living in that. Whereas the other, it's like, you know how it is right now. You're just feeling relaxed. You're laid back. Words are easy. You're not overthinking it. We're able to connect. Our hearts are in sync. Yeah. I'm even thinking about the parallel between how if you had two different friends, and let's say friend A, you're always in that fight or flight mode, but then Mm -hmm. friend B, you're always calm and relaxed around. Mm -hmm. Well, the friend A and friend B get together and they start talking about you. Mm -hmm. They're going to know two completely different people. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So what, getting back to the humming, you made a comment that it's different than ohm, right? Like ohm, is it, is it how, did you find something that said it was different or like, what did you find there? Well, I more just did it from the practical standpoint of like, if I was going to try to give something to people, like hum, hum to save the world, like there's this underlying uh, theme of like, I want to, create a movement of like humming to save the world right uh, and i think i can get a lot more people on board with trying to simply just hum it's a lot more accessible it's a lot there's a, a little bit less of a, a weirdness to it now i love an om i think it is a sacred word and i think it is beyond my comprehension even but my only purpose for going for the hum rather than the om was to make it a little bit more accessible um, so that, you know, people who might not be open to letting out a few alms uh, would go for the hum. Um, because I think it's still arriving at a very similar mechanism, uh, like physiological mechanism inside where you're creating that inner vibration. Mm. And the alm is very much doing that. And the alm actually probably is even more powerful because the three distinct sounds of the om the oh it's very low it's like in the gut it's oh oh it's getting more into the chest it's like nearer to the heart Mm, it's coming up into the bottom of the throat and so it's like these energy centers within you that you're touching uh, and running up this chain inside of you this can feel that mm-hmm. and i was thinking about this in terms of like frequency right because you were talking about how you could do this in different frequencies right like you go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is really low and then if you go super high like mm-hmm. wow you're almost feel i can feel that hitting different spots in my body mm-hmm. when I'm humming did you see any research on that the different frequencies Mm-mm. not not enough uh to have any like strong conclusions on but i think you're really onto something there uh, just from like self-exploration, uh, it's really interesting. Actually, once it becomes less weird for you to do, uh, you can like play around with the different tones and frequencies that you can create and how they kind of hit different places within you. Um, I shared like a story at Tub Club the other night, but it was such a cool experience uh, when I was on a kind of a date with my wife. We did a little staycation because our, our vacation got kind of rude and uh because she got really sick and she just wasn't a happy camper i still had a nice time Um, (laughs) that's all that matters (laughs) but uh i mean it would have been a better time if she was feeling good but uh so we did a staycation and fucking get a headache and like never really get headaches anymore uh used to deal with like a lot of headaches a lot of migraines for one reason or another i'm not really sure i'm so glad to be at a place in my health where i don't have that but i'm starting to get a headache and it was sinus related i was like congested and I just have enough, uh, I, I could recognize that that was the cause, that there was a pressure in my face uh, that was creating a headache. And it's like, oh man, I want to have this great night with my wife, but here I am like in pain. And so 
I was just about to go and buy, like, uh, something, you know, like an allergy reliever or something, you know. And then I caught myself, and I was like, I'm just seeking the easy solution. Like, what can I do? What can I, what can I try at least? How can I explore myself? And so I started to create that vibration inside this, like, and I could bring it up. And you can kind of direct where it goes, and I could bring it up into my face. And after I did it for just like a short period of time, a few, you know, handful of seconds in my face, the next like big, and I'm not going to make this sound like that, like, you know, on the mic right here, but holy shit, had I loosened some stuff up by creating that vibration in my face. And so when I took that, like, uh, whatever you kind call of like that, nasal yeah, congestion, in um, I, I got a lot of stuff to come down into my throat and I could get rid of it. Um, I could spit it out. And so I just did it a few times, and lo and behold, the pressure diminished. Whoa. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. And then I didn't have a headache anymore, and I had a great dinner, and like, yeah, I had a great night. And I was like, fuck yeah, (laughs) let's go. I could just see you sitting at the dinner table there just cheesing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. High on class, (laughs) nobody understands why. (laughs) Like, You can't explain that to people. No, yeah, (laughs) like, what am I going to say? Yeah, what am I going to say? My wife thinks I'm a weirdo because she's, like, you know, watching me do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Babe, it fucking works. Yeah, she knows, you know. Well, and on top of that, you don't have all these crazy chemicals now floating around your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Clogging up other shit, blocking other stuff. Yeah. You know, everything's a trade-off. You know, you, you're in some pain, you take that Advil and your liver's like, Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for not caring. You know, mm. and the oxygen delivery to your cells also is like, what the fuck? Why are you doing that? I can't do my job now. Yeah. You're blocking off other agents. People need to go do their job and you're just saying, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, there's something there with that ohm. Cause like I've been seeing it as, and we just had, you just had the tub club mm-hmm. that was like based around Ohm. So I think it's pretty cool that we're talking about this here. It seems to align you to the, the frequency of, of the universe, the frequency of the world. You know, like if we are living in the mind of God, that is the, the word of God that is invisible, but in the background of all things. And so if you are not tuned in, like how maybe a musical instrument can be out of tune if you want to tune yourself in, the OM and I'm sure several other like mantras are available to you to tune you back in and to get your frequencies at that cellular level, which impact the way that your cells are like working. You know, it's impacting what they're perceiving as a threat and how they're operating, which ultimately influences how you feel at this greater level of being of, you know, this human being but really we're just a collection of trillions of cells trying to do their best and you can tune them in with something like an ohm well and on top of that those trillions of cells are made up of billion or well, quadrillion i don't know yeah fuck atoms, it, numbers, big mm-hmm. numbers and all of those atoms are vibrating at some mm-hmm. rate yeah that's exactly and on top of this what's fascinating is you said the word of god and i've I, I study a lot of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Do you follow him? Mm-mm, I don't know. Oh, you're not familiar with him? Yeah, you're going to turn me on to this. Yeah, he's, please. He's a beast. We'll talk about it. I think the audience has heard me, but I'm going to pull up. Um, have you heard of Autobiography of a Yogi? I can't say that I have. Dude. Maybe I have. This dude's a fucking beast. I've talked about him with uh, Mitch before. Have you seen this book? I have not. That's not English, wow. but that's basically it. Okay. Let's see if I find the English one. We'll put him up here for a little bit. Get him in the background here. While we're talking about him. Dude's a beast. Um, and he has these... He uh, founded this like thing called Self-Realization Fellowship. Okay. And the basic premise of it is to like self-realize as God. Like, here is a... And so what I've been doing mm-hmm. the last four or five months, maybe four months is he has these like lesson plans that he just mails to your house. It's like 18 lessons over the course of nine months. And I think I'm on lesson eight right now. And what it does is he actually breaks down like the, basically the way that he sees the spiritual world and that book, first of all, start off with that book, autobiography of a Yogi. Cause there's shit in there. You're like, how did this actually fucking happen? Like just shit of like the crazy, the, 
I'm kind of getting down the wrong rabbit hole. Let's just leave it at crazy shit for now. Okay. Let's finish this thought. We can come back yeah. to it if we need to. Um, but he, so he does a lot of comparison with the Bible to the Bhagavad Gita and then talks about it from like his perspective of his own self-realization journey. And he talks about the word of God and every time it says the word and, and so was the word he's, they're talking about Om. They're talking about that cosmic force mm -hmm. that exists it was like uh because in genesis i think one of the very first things is like mm -hmm. you know and god said or the then the word the word of god is like one of the first things that yep. happens yeah and what that's alluding to is that cosmic vibration it, they're talking about ohm in a sense so to kind of make this go full circle is like you're calling in the cosmic force of everything into your body to heal mm -hmm. every cell of your body and on top of that, with this frequency we're talking about here, all the way to, uh, you're vibrating every cell of your body. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And these powers, like, and they are powers, uh, are just out here to be learned and to, to be taken if you so choose. And I hope that you're ready to choose those powers because in the episode that we are releasing next in part three... We're going to talk about inner growth. We're going to talk about spiritual powers, divine potential, navigating life choices, sacrifices, sexual pleasure, and so much more. So join Tyler and I in part three, Wisdom from Rishis for Personal Growth.